a topical study through the book of Proverbs. And um, I titled it Ancient Landmarks of Life's Pathway. And um, like I said, it's going to be a topical study. And Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And that's essentially what these landmarks are dealing with. They're dealing with issues of life that we face in this life on this planet. And um, God, through his word, has given us uh, what I call landmarks or very important principles uh, for us to take heed to to help us navigate our way through this life on earth as we go on to our home in heaven. I start I, um, talking about how the Bible portrays life, and I began by saying that it's a path to be chosen. Um, you know, there's that old uh, analogy of a fork in a road. Well, we're all uh, faced with forks in the road, and we need to decide whether we're going to go one way or the other. So a path, it is a pathway. It's a pathway that we have to make a choice what path we're going to be taking. I also talked about how the Bible mentions it as a, as a race to endure, to, a race to be run patiently. And we talked a little bit about that. So what I want to go on now is um, try to finish out uh, some of the other things that the Bible says that are life is uh, compared to or, or a way to look at life and so as you can see on the list the next way that uh, the Bible portrays uh, life here on earth especially for us believers is that it's a warfare uh, that uh, needs to be fought so it's a warfare to be fought so um, uh, so let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and then we'll get started and I'll try to I'll try to complete at least this section here and try not to take four years this time. No promises. Lord God in heaven, I thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you, Lord God, that we can come to it. It is a guiding light. But I also want to thank you for the light who Jesus who is Jesus Christ. Because if it weren't if it weren't for Jesus Christ coming into my life and providing the light that he provides, Lord, I I hate to think uh, where I would be right now. Uh, so therefore, Lord, we thank you and praise you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he is the light of the world. We thank you, Father, that he is that uh, water of life, that he is all that we need, Lord. And we just need to look to him for our strength, for our comfort, for our guidance, and then as for our example. We thank you and praise you, and I just want to honor him today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so another aspect that the Bible talks about as far as life here on earth, especially for the believer is that it is a warfare it's a it's a battle it's a fight you know if there's one thing about the world's history um what you read more often than not in world history sadly is warfare isn't it i mean this old planet has had a lot of warfare where one nation rises against the nation and kingdom against kingdom i um look this up and just as an example even our own nation uh, since 1776, you know how many years of peace, relative peace, that our nation has experienced in that 245 years? That's pretty close. 20 years. And I even question that. I do. I even question that because we've, we've, you know, we've been fighting with uh, the native, uh, the Indians, Native Americans, since almost we landed on this on the shores. So I even question that, but they say 20 years of actual peace, and I guess that's what I guess what they mean by that is, if we're not fighting with one another, as in the Civil War, we're fighting with another nation. So that's pretty incredible. Now that's just the United States of America. Think of Europe. How many times has warfare crisscrossed that continent, or Asia, or the Middle East? So this whole planet has been one big, one big conflict. So it shouldn't, it shouldn't be any surprise to us if you have decided to follow the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. It really shouldn't be any surprise to you that it's not going to be easy. It's going to prove being very difficult. It's going to be a, a, a battle. Uh, and, it, and, the, and the writer of Proverbs even talks about this. Proverbs 20 verse 18 says, Every purpose is established by counsel, and with good advice, make war. Uh, where are you going to find good counsel as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? 
Is it going to be your pastor? Sometimes. Is it going to be a good, godly friend? Sometimes. But where do they get that counsel? God's word. God's word, right? Proverbs 24, 6. For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and multitude of counselors there is safety. We've got 66 counselors right here. Um, 67 if you want to count the book of concordance. It's up to you. But we've got 66 counselors that we can go to to uh, wage this war. Uh, the New Testament. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is um, the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians. And he's talking about this warfare too. In um, 2 Corinthians, is it 2 Corinthians 10? I may have the wrong, yeah, I think it is. 2 Corinthians 10. I better turn there myself just to make sure. Yeah, 2 Corinthians 10. Look at verse 3 through 5. Would somebody read that for me, please? this verse, where does this verse tell us the real battlefield for us exists? Where does it exist? See, the world fights with weapons, right? Guns, cannons, all that kind of stuff. Our battle is fought on the battleground of ideas, thoughts, right? Imaginations. Anything that exalts itself against what? The knowledge of God, right? And what does Proverbs one seven say? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So that's that's our battlefield. It's misinformation. My goodness, what have we seen in this past year? This past year has been nothing but misinformation. Uh, information uh, meant to mislead us to believe in a certain narrative that isn't true. Uh, uh, Right information, but presented in a wrong way. You know, that, that's what we've been seeing in this country. That's going to be your life if you choose to follow Jesus Christ. There are going to be folks out there trying to give you misinformation, trying to give you information that may be good information, but may be wrongly applied. So that's, that's the battlefield. It's the battlefield of, of ideas, the battlefield of thoughts, the battlefield of those things that exalts itself against uh, the um, knowledge of God. Those things that are meant to misdirect or confuse or influence us away from the knowledge of God. That's why Paul warns, you know, beware of science falsely so-called, that type of thing. That's why Paul warns about the wolves in sheep's clothing coming into the church, that type of thing. So that's the battlefield. That's the battlefield. And it all boils down to that one original question. Yea, hath God said. That's really where it battles down to. Yea, hath God said that? Did he really say that? Did he really say that? And this warfare is usually fought on two fronts. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. First of all, we've got that external warfare, you know, that, that, that warfare that's out there that the media brings to us and the news brings to us. Whether you listen to conservative or, or progressive or whatever it is you listen to, that's all out there. That's all information that's coming out to us, uh, seeking to influence you in their way of thinking or seeking to put confusion on the issue or whatever it is. So there's that warfare from the outside. And the enemy's road signs are big and flashy. And, uh, you know, they're really appealing. And it really, they really make it sound like, you know, you know, this, this may be the, the right way to go. So you gotta be careful about these things. You gotta be careful. That's why we go to the Word of God. You gotta filter everything through the Word of God. 
Here's the second front that uh, we come across. Not only is it on the outside, but guess where it is? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, guess where the next battlefront is? It's right here in the heart. It's inside. It's a, it's a warfare that's waged inside. Galatians 5, verses 16 to 25. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are, what does it say there? Contrary the one to the other. So you've got two natures in you now that are contrary one to the other. Has anybody experienced that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this very morning I experienced that. So it says that so that you cannot do the things that you would, verse 18, but if ye be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest or made known, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So that's, those are folks who are doing this because that's just part of their nature. But don't you believe for a minute that that's not also a part of your own fallen nature? Because it's still there. It will always be there until we get raptured or you're resurrected. It'll always be there. But look what he says here in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And that's the warfare that we face every day. And that is that warfare, that conflict between the new man... And the old man, the conflict between the uh, the spirit of God that dwells with us and that fallen nature in us. And so there's always this battle waging with inside us. Um, we've got the world trying to influence us and then we have our own flesh trying to influence us. So it's a warfare. It is a warfare. And this warfare can prove very difficult. This warfare can prove very disheartening. And the thing is this, sometimes on the inside when you're battling, you, you have a tendency to think that you're right when you're not. Every way, you know, uh, I had it in my head and it went away. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. Just because you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that that's not true. That's not true. I've, I've met a lot of, myself have done this, I've met a lot of good, wise Christians who get a thought in their head and it's not the right thought and they go down this certain path and there's no convincing them otherwise and then they end up facing the consequences of that choice. They're still saved, they're still, you know, chi- uh, people of uh, God's child, but they just get a notion in their head. So there's that battle that goes on. I mean, Jesus warned about this. Um, Luke 12. If you're quick, you can turn there before I read it. Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 51. This is what Jesus said to his own disciples. You know? You know, sometimes, and I'm going to say this, sometimes people believe that, you know, well, if, if, you know, if I just receive Jesus in my life, all my problems will go away. <laughs> no, they've just begun. They've just started. Luke 12, 51, he says, Suppose ye that I come to give peace on earth? There's a lot of people today who believe that. And there's a lot of people today who are bitter against God because, well, Jesus came and there's no peace, so he's got to be a liar. There's a lot of people who believe that way. He says, suppose ye that I come to give peace on earth. He says, I tell you nay. He tells them right up front, no, I, no, no, I didn't. But rather division. Isn't that wild to think that Jesus 
causes division, (laughs) but he does, doesn't he? Not so much Jesus, right? But it's our thinking. It's other people's thinking about Jesus. He says, uh, nay, but rather division, for from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two, two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Who in here has not experienced tension in the home because of your decision to follow Jesus Christ? I was raised a Roman Catholic. And when my mom and dad found out that, you know, I got saved and I decided to go to a Baptist church because that particular Baptist church happened to preach the Bible, my goodness. They said I had left the true faith and all sorts of contention came of that. To this day, I... You know, I'm considered a black sheep in the family because I've left the true faith. No, I didn't lose the true. I found the true faith, and that's the contention. See, that's why it's a battlefield of the of the mind, of the ideas. What about your friends? The friends you had before you got saved, and then you got saved. How did that go? I'm going to tell you that none of the friends that I had before I was saved are my friends anymore today. It's not my fault. It's just that we had two different points of view on life. Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. What about on your job site? What about on your job site? Is there contention there because of your faith in Christ? Because maybe your co-workers will want to cheat or cut corners. And you're, because of your faith in Christ, because your relation with Christ, you know you can't do that. Yeah, I was turned down, I was turned down a, a supervisor's position. Because I refuse to falsify documentation. You don't do that in a pharmaceutical company. And I made that known. And because of that, I lost out on a supervisor's role. It causes division. He causes division. Well, that's on the outside. What about on the inside? <laughs> yeah, he causes division on the inside too, doesn't he? Sure he does. Because sometimes following Jesus means you have to do something contrary to what your flesh wants to do. Causes division. Luke 9.23, and he said unto them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. I don't know about you guys. But when I really feel the heat of the battle, it's not so much the pressure on the outside that I'm feeling the heat of the battle, but it's that what's going on in the inside. Lord, really, do you want me to do that? Lord, really, I really got to do that? Lord, really, you know, you got to die to self. We got to die to self. We're called upon to become living sacrifices. That means you've got to lay yourself down sometimes. You've got to lay yourself down sometimes. You know, we've got brothers and sisters in India who have been chased out of their villages. And for some of us, uh, giving up a week for VBS <laughs> is a big challenge, Right? It all depends. But we're all called upon to be living sacrifices. And this isn't something mystical, is it? This is real. Real stuff. Romans 12.1, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy. 
You know, that means sometimes we don't involve ourselves in certain activities acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's not unreasonable. It's reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that transformation take place? Reading and obeying. But most of us won't even pick it up to read it. So if we don't read it, how do we know what to obey? Huh? Oh, am I? Okay. Yeah, that's part of the equation. That's just part of it. Yeah, prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You've got to know what the will of God is in order to obey him. And it is through that obedience and knowing that God's will is that that transformation takes place. I don't know about you guys, but I need my mind constantly flushed out with the water of the word. I just do. So our way, if you choose to go the path of the just, goes contrary to the wisdom of this age. Uh, The way we choose to live is absolutely alien to our friends and our families that just just don't see it, they don't understand. And so those of us who choose to walk uh, this path of light versus the path of darkness, true victory in this warfare comes through a submission to the Lord and obedience to his perfect will. That's the only way you're going to be able to win and fight this battle. The only way. Submission to his perfect will. 1 John 5, 3 says, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. I mean, if you stop and think about it, his commandments are not grievous, are they? It's just that they go contrary to everything else that's around us. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. That's what overcomes. That's how you overcome. So it's a warfare. It's a warfare to be fought. So it would be good to know your counselors so you could fight that warfare. Another way it's it's presented in the Bible, it's, it's just a way to live life. It's just a way to live life. A, a word for this. Does anybody want to guess what the word that the Bible uses for what I just said there, a way to live life? It's one word. Starts with a C. Conversation. Conversation. 2 Corinthians 1.12 For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to your word. Now when you hear the word conversation, especially in our day, what do you think of? Yeah, talking. Yeah, talking about the weather or sports or whatever it is. Yeah, it's, it's a conversation. We're having a discussion. We're having a discussion. If, but if you've had any kind of exposure to a good Bible teaching, you know that the word conversation also means one's conduct in life, the way you live your life, what makes you tick, you know, what, what makes your character, what makes you behave the way you behave, what are your priorities. That's what a conversation is. That's why, what Paul was saying, our conversation in the world. How do we live in this world? How do we live in this world? Proverbs 20.11 puts it this way. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 11. Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. How do you tell a bratty child? Yeah, we know. We've seen enough of them. I was one. Right? How do you tell a good child? Yeah, by the way they walk and talk by the way they behave themselves you know God's the only one that can see the heart of man do you believe that can you see inside my heart 
I knew a pastor one time who claimed that he had that ability. And I knew right then and there he was a liar. Because nobody has that ability but God. God is the only one that can see the heart. So how do we judge, and I don't mean it in a bad way, how do we discern a person's character? I just told you the two ways. By what they say and how they live, their deeds, right? Consistently, exactly. That's what the conversation's all about. It's your way of life. It's how you live your life. Because there are a lot of people, you're right, that say one thing but do something different. Or they'll do one thing and say something different. So what is that? That's a contradiction, isn't it? That's a contradiction. So that's, you're absolutely right, Linda. It's, it's that consistent, you do what you say and you say what you do. That's how you live your life. That's just the way how we can uh, tell what people are like is by their words and by their deeds. Jesus said to his men in John thirteen thirty five, he says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. See, I know a lot of folks who know how to express love in their, with their mouths, but they don't do a very good job of it with their life. They don't do a very good job of it with their life. And then I know some folks who express love by the way they treat others, but you really don't hear it come out of their mouth too much. Isn't love the fulfilling of the law? Sure it is. That is the basic principle behind the love. Uh, behind the law, it's, it's love. So if you uh, if you claim, well, I keeps God, I keeps God. Lo-, that's that's terrible. If I keep God's love, how do you know I keep God's law? How do you know I keep God's law? By the way, I love others, love God, and love others. Right? John fourteen fifteen. Jesus says, "If you love me, live like a devil." No, that's not what he says. He says, keep my commandments. You know, guys, how do you prove you love me? You keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. Um, Here we got um, uh, Olympic trials going on. I don't know if you guys have been tuning into that. I've watched some of the swimming, some of the diving. But when they talk talk to these athletes... Do they talk about their garden at home? No, they don't, do they? No, they talk about their sport. Why is that? Because that's what their life is centered in. You talk to a soldier. You know, it's about his service for his country or her service for her country. And I don't know if you've noticed it, but there's also pride among the branches of the military. The Marines are proud to be Marines and Army proud to be Army, so forth and so on. Politicians. <laughs> to hear them talk, right? They're all about power, governance, politics. So, what do you talk about? And what you talk about, is that the way you live? Is that the way you live? Well, we should, we should be living according to our faith. It's part of our DNA. The athlete talks about his sport or her sport because it's, it's, they're programmed that way. We have supernatural DNA. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. You, did you realize that you have su- uh, spiritual DNA? Never thought of it that way? You realize, if you're a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got what 2 Peter 1.4 calls the divine nature. 2 Peter 1.4, whereby are given unto us, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. We have God's DNA in us, if there is such a thing. I don't know about you, but that blows my mind. So our walk, our deeds, should, should reflect what we say or believe in our words. 
Are we more about platitudes than reality? Am I better at talking at the game rather than participating? Yeah, sometimes I have to confess. Yeah, I am. I'm better at talking the game than actually playing it. I'm honest. I still have a lot of growing up to do. But I want to grow up. See, that's the difference. I don't want to play the game. I want to be real. I want to be real. You know, the preacher of Ecclesiastes, he examined all sorts of different ways to live. He looked at all kinds of conversations of life. He went in there and he inquired, he searched, he dug it out, he even lived it. And you know what he finally came up with, his reasoning after going through all of these different ways of life? This is what he came up with. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, he says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. After examining all these different ways of life and pursuits, this is, this is it. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man, for God shall bring every work into a judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Fear God, keep his commandments. And this is a guy who experienced it all. Experienced it all. Another way that the Bible talks about our, our life here on earth is it's a, it's a pilgrimage. Turn to Genesis 47. It's a, it's a pilgrimage. Um, I think this is kind of important for us to understand. I think uh, some, this, this aspect of life, sometimes we ignore it or we choose to ignore it, but this, this should motivate us uh, as far as our perspective, of, as far as our time here on earth. Uh, so it's, it's a pilgrimage. All right. So look here at Genesis uh, 47. Uh, Joseph is now the second highest in the kingdom of Egypt. The only one higher than Joseph in the kingdom is, of course, Pharaoh. He's already transferred his father Jacob and his brothers to Egypt to care for them during the famine. And uh, Jacob, um, Joseph's father, is invited by Pharaoh. Pharaoh invited Jacob to come and have an audience with him. So look here in verse 7 through 9. If anybody's there, would you mind reading that? Verses 7 through 9. Okay, notice how he describes his life. My pilgrimage. He's 130 years old. And he refers to it as a pilgrimage. A pilgrimage. 130 years, that's a long time. Isn't it? That's a long time to be on earth. Um, But yet he understood what we looked at when we first started this study. He understood what James said and Peter said and Isaiah said. He understood what everybody who walks with God understands. And even lost people understand this, even though they don't like to think about it. But notice what he says here. His life is a pilgrimage. That means he's headed somewhere. That means he's only passing through. This is not... His home. Not his home. Another man who walked this same path, he he also recognized this. King David, at the close of his life, when he was making his prayer to God, in 1 Chronicles 29, 15, he says, For we are strangers before thee and sojourners. 
as were all our fathers. Our days on the earth are a shadow and there is nothing, none abiding. Sojourners. You know what that means? That means you're only here temporarily. You're only passing through. We forget that. We forget that. Peter in 1 Peter 2.11 calls us strangers and pilgrims. Strangers and pilgrims. If you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you are a stranger here on this planet. You don't belong here. We are um, undocumented illegal aliens on this planet. No, we're not, but anyway. You get the point. And we're pilgrims. We're pilgrims. Paul writes in uh, Philippians, Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 20. Here's another word, here's another use for the word conversation. He says, For our conversation is in heaven, Philippians 3.20, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is even able to subdue all things unto himself. That word conversation there in Philippians 20 is kind of an interesting uh, word. It also means citizenship. So what Paul is saying here is that our citizenship is in heaven. That's what makes us strangers and pilgrims. Because this is in our home. This is in our home. We're just passing through. We're just passing through. We have another home. And so often what happens, it happens to me, so often what happens, um, we get fixated on this place, don't we? And all of our hopes and all of our aspirations in life, where do they focus on? This place. As, as if, you know, everything, everything that we're doing is so vital and important in this place. I'm guilty of it. I think we all are. We, you know, we build for this place. We save our money for this place. We invest every, for this place. What is it that Jesus said about uh, where your heart is, there will be your treasure? Where's your heart? Is it this place? Now, don't misunderstand me. Don't misunderstand me. You know, we got grandkids we love to pieces. So we invest in them. Right? We've got property we need to keep up. Some of us raise cattle. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't make that your focus. It's all temporary. I had a we had a friend one time whose saying was this, it's all junk. Because <laughs> eventually it is. And when they put you in that box, what do you take with you? Yeah. So that's why we need to invest in our home to come. Hebrews 13:12 Wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate let us go there go forth therefore unto him without the camp bearing his reproach for here we have no continuing city but we seek one to come. There's absolutely nothing wrong with having property and all this kind of stuff right here but guys don't make that the center of your existence. Cuz we're pilgrims, we're passing through. It's all temporary. It's all temporary. I know you've seen this on television. And my heart goes out to these folks. I totally get it. But whenever they go through a flood, or they go through a fire, you've seen them. I've lost everything! Right? 
you're still alive. You got your kids, your husband. You didn't lose everything. But I totally get it. I do, I totally get it. I, I don't know how I would respond. So I'm not hard on folks like that. I'm just, see, I'm working with you guys. I'm trying to make sure that my focus is in the right place. Another way that uh, the Bible talks about our, our uh, life on earth, it's a walk. And I'm going to close out with this, a walk. And that's what pilgrims do, isn't it? <laughs> we are walking to a destination. When I lived in Europe, um, when we travel between countries, especially in certain countries, you'd see these little shrines along the road. And what these were were little pilgrimage destinations that people of a particular faith would walk to on certain uh, feast days or saint days. So the whole village would empty out and they'd walk to this little shrine. Well, that's what a pilgrim does. They, they, they have a destination in mind. They, they walk toward a destination, a specific place to go. Where are we headed? What is our destination? And does our walk reflect that? Does our walk reflect that? The way we live, does that reflect that we're headed for some place? And hey, folks, come join us. Come with us. So it's a walk. It's a walk. If you're a born-again, blood-washed son of God, then your life should be a walk. Colossians 2.6 says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. How did you receive Jesus as Lord? Did you work for it? Did you sign a piece of paper? No, you received him by what? Faith. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. It's a walk of faith. Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you've been taught, according therein with thanksgiving. We are to be established in the faith. In other words, we are to be determined about this path we're on. I know where I'm headed. I'm paying attention to the landmarks that are taking me there. Established in the faith. Determined about my path. Paying attention to what God's telling me in his word. And obeying those things. Right? I mean, what good does it do you if you come to a sign that says wrong way, don't enter, and you ignore that sign and go ahead and go in? Doesn't do you any good at all, does it? We have a specific destination. We've got an atlas to show us the way. We need to pay attention to what it's saying to us. And don't allow anything. This is something else that a pilgrim will not do in a walk of faith is he will not allow anything to deter him from that path don't become distracted we're on a particular path don't get detoured along the way this is why Paul warned and following up in Colossians 2.8 when he says Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Because there were folks in the Colossian church that were coming in messing with the landmarks, moving the road signs, preaching a different Jesus, a different gospel. And we got him we got them today. We've got them today. So we have God's word to help us navigate, help us to walk, to walk this path. He's provided us these, these principles in his word that uh, we are to take heed to and, and, and make them a way of life. 
Make them a way of life. Um, Take on that battle on the inside. Right? And let him transform our minds. Renew our minds. Transform our characters. You know, one of my favorite studies in the Bible um, is, um, I guess you would call them biographical studies, where you take a, a person in the Bible like an Abraham or a David, and you study their life out. You, you read it, and you read it, and you read it, and you pray for God inside in their life, and you see their mistakes and their failures, but at the same time, you see a lot of their victories, a lot of the things that they do right. I mean, uh, what is Abraham called? Abraham's called what? The friend of God. And why is he called the friend of God? Because he believed God and obeyed what God told him. You know, David, David, now there's a guy who had some issues in his life. But yet David was called a man after God's own heart. Do you know why? Well, I believe one of the reasons why David was a man after God's own heart is because when David was confronted by God with his sin, what did David do? He repented. And he tried to make right. Now, if you're, not, if you're a man or a woman that's not after God's heart and you're confronted with your sin, that warfare inside, and you don't repent... That's not a man of God or a woman of God. That's just a stubborn, spoiled brat wanting their own way. And of course, the greatest example of all is guess who? Anybody? Jesus, that's right. Out of the mouth of babes. 1 Peter 2.21 For even hereunto were ye called because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that we, ye should follow his steps. You can't get any clearer than that. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the churches he says we walk by faith not by sight. Let me tell you something. There are times when the Bible tells me to do this and it makes absolutely no sense because of the circumstance that I'm in. My eyes are telling me differently, but God's word is telling me, no, no, go this way. And those times that I paid attention to God's word, guess what? He was right. And those times that I didn't, because of my sight, because of my guess what happened? Oh, I should have listened to you. I should have listened to you. And there's some who don't believe the Bible like we believe the Bible. They're opposed to the Bible. That's that influence on the outside. Those folks that will call you stupid or naive because you're believing in an archaic book that's no longer relative to our time. I don't know if you've heard that. I've heard that a few times. (laughs) That's why it's called a walk of faith. Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to believe? So, if we're going to walk in wisdom, turn to Job 28. If we're going to choose the path of the just, if we're going to run this race to endure, if we're going to wage this warfare being fought on the outside and the inside, if we're going to live a certain way of life, being a pilgrim traveling to a destination, if we're going to walk in faith, where are we going to find the wisdom to walk this path? Job chapter 28. Job chapter 28. Um, Job is sitting there and he's talking, talking to his friends. And of course his friends are, he calls them what they were. They're terrible counselors. And so Job is talking about this wisdom. And if you read through Job 28, I'm not going to do that. We don't have the time, but there's a lot there. 
But if you read through Job 28, what Job is doing here is he's looking to where wisdom is found. Do you dig it up out of the ground? Do you observe uh, nature? Do you learn wisdom from observing nature? Uh, Does man possess wisdom? He goes through all of these different uh, places where, uh, where is this wisdom to be found? Is it found in wealth? Is it, where is wisdom to be found? You know where he finds it? Look at verse 28. Look at verse 28. And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. You know what that is? Bottom line? Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but trust and obey. It's a walk of faith. It's a walk of faith, and God has provided for us the signposts, the landmarks, what we need to navigate through this life. And only a fool would ignore it. Amen? Father in heaven, we come to you, and we're thankful, Lord, for the word of God that you've given us. We thank you, Father in heaven, for the pure word of God. There's so many counterfeits, so many different words out there. But we know what we've got and we hold fast to it, Lord. Help us, Father, as we navigate through this life that we would pay attention to those signposts and that our walk, our race will be one run with patience and faith and that, Father in heaven, uh, that we would do you proud. Now, thinking of Father's Day. Because um, that's what brings pleasure to you, is when your children walk in truth. We thank you and praise you for your son, Jesus Christ, who is our light, our life. We love him, we adore him. In his name we pray, amen.